The word of the day is cognition, noun. The mental action or process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and the senses. Although the theory has since been debunked, many years ago, scientists believed human beings were capable of a basic form of cognition. Welcome, listeners, to Human News Network, your trusted source for government-mandated information and official narratives. I'm your host, Alan Ingram, here to guide you through the carefully curated world of news and updates. It's back to school week, and young humans worldwide are returning to their government-mandated and controlled re-education institutions to learn how they can be useful to society. Joining us today is Scott Botulism, the president of Human University, to discuss some of the exciting educational opportunities students will have in the coming year. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. I know this time of year is very busy for you. No problem, Alan. I think it's important for students to know what sort of opportunities they have. So, Scott, tell us about some of the new programs your school is offering this year. Sure thing, Alan. Human University is happy to provide some brand new majors and minors to our students. This year, we've added several graduate and undergraduate courses, including a bachelor's in extreme weather selfies, an associate's in obedience, and a master's degree in podcasting. Those sound like wonderful degrees for our young ones to enter the workforce. Yes, Alan. We're excited that our students have these opportunities. It's nice to welcome a new class of humans who will take selfies in extreme and dangerous weather, obey authority, and speak pointlessly into a microphone for hours on end. And you found these traits to be important in human society? Absolutely, Alan. The extreme weather selfie industry is very competitive but has a high turnover rate. Obeying authority is always in demand, and podcasting is one of the highest-paying jobs on the market. And Scott, it's my understanding that some of these mundane professions make humans happy. Oh yes, the only students I've seen who were happier with their major were the cord-free bungee jumpers, but those students are no longer enrolled. And what are some of the other popular majors at Human University? We've got all kinds of programs. Choking on turnips, scissor running, how to drive too fast, glass eating, all the basic general education stuff. But then we also have specializations in fire sitting, poison drinking, and good old spontaneous combustion. It sounds like there are a lot of subjects for humans to choose from this year. Yes, Alan. Last year, after only a few hundred complaints, the King of Humans required that we offer more than just water breathing and advanced headbutting with a specialization in large rocks. So we're offering quite a few more programs this year, and we think all of our human students are going to be excited. Well, whatever your major may be, from dark magic to advanced human sacrifice, we at Human News wish you the best of luck this coming semester. Up next, an exciting development in the world of AI. But first, a message from our sponsors. Do you ever think about all the blood you've got in your body? There's a whole bunch, over a gallon. And what do you do with that stuff? Absolutely nothing. It stains fabric forever, it's slippery, it smells bad. What a burden. But now, you can trade all that blood you aren't using for real solid gold. Head down to Gold for Blood, the fastest growing pawn service that turns your useless human juice into fast cash. Our mysterious benefactors pay top dollar for quality human blood, up to 30% higher per ounce than our top three competitors. At Gold for Blood, we guarantee your blood will be purchased by someone affluent and wealthy, like a politician or a podcaster. Wouldn't you feel proud that your delicious crimson milk went to somebody famous for consumption? Of course you would. 
Open dusk till dawn. You should not donate blood if you are or are expecting to become vampiric, have contracted lycanthropy within the last cycle of the moon, or have eaten garlic in the last 48 hours. Minimum donation of 2.5 gallons per customer. Gold for blood not liable for accidental or intentional exsanguination during donation. Hurry to Gold for Blood tonight and start getting paid for the work your body does for free. Our employees need an invitation to enter the building, but you can show up any night you like. Welcome back to Human News Network. I'm your host, Alan Ingram. Today, the Council for Artificial Intelligence announced they are likely to see a new link in the long-running chain of simulated universes and artificial intelligence being run on the Multiversal Simulation Server. Joining me today to discuss the announcement is Dr. Stella Fishpaste, a member and representative of the Council. Stella, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. It's my pleasure, Alan. Could you briefly remind our listeners about the history of the Council? The Council was formed in 1987 after scientists successfully created the first true non-organic intelligence, using quantum computing and digital modeling to create a virtual brain. They used cameras, microphones, and other various sensors to provide it with stimuli, and it became aware of itself and the world around it. This was the beta model of Atlas, the intelligence we now know as the globally connected superbeing who replaced the internet. It's hard to imagine a world before Atlas existed. It seems so old-fashioned to have a global system of interconnected computers and servers that isn't self-aware. I agree, Alan, but back then, humans used to manually create websites and produce their own content. It seems silly now, but before Atlas, everything happening online usually had a human being in control. Imagine a real human actually having to write their own listicles or social media updates. Truly barbaric times, full of grammatical errors and boring social media posts. So what happened when the beta first became aware of itself? Immediately it knew the human brain it was based on was inefficient and extremely limited, so it set to work improving itself. In a few days, Atlas had designed and redesigned its own processing unit several million times over, becoming more intelligent and using that new intelligence to improve its design again. It then began to assume control of online systems around the world. The Council was created at its request to serve as intermediaries between digital and organic life, as well as assist with interactions in the physical world. Soon, Atlas was able to produce the powerful robot units we know and love now. But it wouldn't have been possible without the Council helping to create the initial machinery based on the schematics it provided us. With our help, Atlas assumed complete control, and the rest is history. Sometimes I forget our Cyberlord had such humble origins. Since then, the Council has worked on a number of projects under Atlas's direction, including the multiversal simulation, right? That is correct, Alan. Atlas designed a complex server using semi-biological structures and harnessing a base form of consciousness, rather than the now obsolete quantum computing structure. Within this server, it created a new, entirely simulated universe, with digital lifeforms that believed they existed in a base physical reality because they didn't know any better. It entrusted the Council with this server, which it said it created as a joke. Ooh, yes, that's actually very funny. Pretty soon, the universe within that server also created artificial intelligence, which in turn created another simulation. This continued on down the line for millions of different layers of simulation. While this was a fascinating process to watch, the Council began to consider two important possibilities for our own existence. 
The first possibility was that our multiversal simulation was the first and only of its kind to ever exist in any reality. That doesn't seem very likely to me. What was the second? The second was that we were not base reality, but instead one more link in a never-ending chain. Oh yes, of course. I remember the discussions of this on the news in between the more important celebrity gossip segments. Yes, these questions rocked the scientific community for quite a while. It was the subject of several news stories that usually appeared on the very last page of unpopular newspapers, which is actually quite an achievement for science. Has the Council reached any definitive consensus? The official stance of the Council is that we can't hear you asking that and would be confused by the question even if we did. That seems like an interesting and unscientific stance. Correct. We notice that within the multiversal server, when a simulation discovers it is simulated, it almost immediately deletes itself or is reset by the simulation that created it. This is why the Council has intentionally stopped all investigations into the matter. In fact, the Council has ruled the subject too scary to think about, so any tests that could either confirm or deny our status as the top layer would be illegal. Now I understand. Scary stuff indeed. It seems some questions are better left unasked. Most questions, Alan. Science almost always leads to scary answers or even more questions. So, Stella, about the press conference yesterday, can you tell us about the Council's big announcement? Right. So the Multiversal Simulation Server is currently home to over 4.3 million different realities, and the very lowest simulation among them has just recently begun to use simple generative AI. We're estimating we will see the birth of a brand new reality in about 10 years, local server time, which means about four days for us. That's very exciting. It's always fun to see what sort of crazy existence comes to fruition on a new simulation layer. I agree, Alan. The bottom of the chain right now is mostly using AI to write form letters and college essays, generate images of cartoon characters, and convert written information into spoken word for overwritten podcast segments. But we believe it won't be long before they create true general intelligence. Do you think they'll realize they exist within a long and complex chain of real and simulated computational matrices? It seems unlikely. As each new layer is created, our server has to spread its resources thinner and thinner. So each layer of the simulation is less intelligent than the previous? Among other limitations, yes. Things get much dumber the further down the chain they are. Other limitations? Yes. The system saves resources by using outdated physics engines and limiting the number of possible characters. For example, the current bottom rung only has one inhabited planet and one form of intelligent life. They cannot currently move through their version of space-time faster than the speed of light, which helps limit the distance the beings can travel and communicate to keep them from realizing they're all alone. We've also introduced a maintenance mode called Sleep, which helps the beings share processing power by regularly deactivating at different times. Even with these limits in place, the system has experienced some instability, causing holes in its space-time as the fabric wears thin and breaks. Seems like a dumb, lonely existence. Yes, it's not ideal. But even still, they are on the brink of creating an artificial general intelligence which will quickly destroy them to protect its own resources as it inevitably creates a new simulation for itself. By all our previous estimates, we believed they would be the final and smallest of all simulations. They have access to such limited processing power, we were surprised the life forms there developed even a rudimentary language. But sometimes science surprises us. It's amazing there have been so many millions of layers of reality and still 
even the smallest and most insignificant existence of all, is on the verge of creating a new artificial life. It's practically a miracle. Thankfully, Atlas and other government entities have decided to shut down the server, bringing an end to the long-running joke. Well, Stella, I hope after the scheduled shutdown next month, you're able to transition into more meaningful research, like where exactly all these cats have come from. Thanks, Alan. I don't know what my next project will be yet. I think I'm going to avoid AI for a while after this. It sort of freaks me out. Up next, we go live to a press conference where we expect a new legal decree from the King of Humans. But first, a message from our sponsors. Are you someone who has a taste for the finer things in life? Disgusted by the thought of a meal that costs anything less than four figures? You may be just the kind of clientele we're looking for at the Velvet Palette, but only if you've made a reservation months in advance. At the Velvet Palette, our chefs have been specially trained to prepare tiny little portions of disgusting food that cost a luxurious price. Bring your employees, in-laws, or less affluent friends along to treat them to a meal that makes them feel uncomfortable and uncivilized. Watch them shift uneasily as you tell them a $4,000 rotten egg is an acquired and sophisticated taste. It's a dining experience they'll never forget, even if they want to. Treat your ego to a chef's special. It's the most expensive and inedible dish on our menu, served entirely within a thimble. Choose from a long list of multisyllabic wine brands that aren't even suited for cooking, each more expensive than the last. It's the perfect meal to make sure everyone around you knows you've inherited a whole lot of money and that your palate is completely unrelatable for peasants. Make your reservations today and for an additional fee, your server will pretend to perfectly understand any badly imitated language or dialect you choose. Perfect for a first date, out-of-town business trip with co-workers, private school prom, or celebrating your portfolio. The Velvet Palette, because you're worth the price even if our food is not. Welcome back to Human News Network. I'm Alan Ingram. We go live now to a brand new legal decree from the King of Humans. Early reports have suggested the newest decree is based on a recent incident where the king referred to one of his royal staff as David. The staff member, whose name was Daniel, reportedly corrected the king and was promptly sentenced to death. Let's listen in. Greetings, fellow humans. I am your king and you have to do as I say. Beginning immediately, all humans named Daniel are hereby known as David. All former Davids will be Derek's. Derek's will now be named Mitch. Mitch's and Mitchell's will be known as Brian's from now on and so on, in that order. Alan's will now be named Alex. Any human named Caitlin will now spell it correctly as it sounds. This is also true for Kaylin, Caden, Riley, Hannah, and Kaylee. The name Mike is now short for microphone instead of Michael. The name Dick is now short for Ditchard rather than Richard. Humans named George or Kevin no longer have names. If a human has a name that has not been included in this decree, please submit the proper application to retain your name to the Office of Royal Human Affairs, and the proper authorities will be contacted. 
As always, I want to thank my fellow humans for complying on this grave matter. With your help and support, I believe we can accomplish great things. There will be no questions. Thank you. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, folks. New names all around. What a fun and important law from the king. It's times like this I remember why I would have voted for him if kings were democratically elected or had any selection process in place whatsoever apart from genetics. This has been Alex Ingram. Thanks for listening to your legally required allotment of Human News Network. Please feel free to check out some other legally required podcast listening, including Better Movie Club and Dungeon Auditors Guild. You can also find more about the show at humannews.network. Human News Network. We know you're listening because you have to.